Nation. It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. at, quote, strongly, they're strongly considering ending a uh, rule for uh, for football, according to Brett McMurphy. We'll, we'll talk about what that is and if that is a good idea, bad idea. Um, and we'll also get into the conference realignment stuff here in just a little bit. But let's touch on it, though, with Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. So all three of the Montgomery County schools, along with Western Boone and Frankfurt, are going to lead the Sagamore Athletic Conference. A former six-team conference with a school that is yet to be named and will likely be formed and officially good to go by 2026-2027. Crawfordsville, Frankfurt, Northmont, Southmont, and Weibo. So they're going to wait. Everybody's got to finish their prior commitments. That would leave that conference with Danville, Lebanon, and Tri-West. All three A schools. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, are, are there options up here for those remaining schools? Could a local team end up in this new cup? We're going to talk about it here in a few minutes. But it's, it's hopping in our little area, isn't it? It's crazy right now. Man, Purdue women's golf, three shots shy of fifth place as they wrapped up their regional today. But Ashley Kozlowski is still in this thing, right? She's going to go play in the national championship. She is the low boiler on the uh, on the squad, so she does get to advance, and uh, she will get to play. She was very good throughout, very, cons- very consistent here. She shot two under today. That was her best round to finish three under for the tournament. That's tied her for fourth overall. So great finish from her. But uh, as for the team, uh, they are now done for the season. Purdue and Mike Bobinski make an announcement yesterday after we went off the air. Coach uh, Boo De La Vera will not be returning to the softball program next season. According to the press release, quote, on behalf of the university, our softball program, and the entire Purdue community, we're grateful to Coach Boo, her staff, and our student-athletes for their dedicated efforts on behalf of Purdue Softball. We wish Boo the best of luck as she embarks on her next chapter. The Boilermakers are well-positioned for the future, and we are intently focused on pursuing and sustaining success. Uh, Coach uh, De La Vera was here since 2017, an overall record in school of 150 and 202. Purdue Baseball will close out its midweek schedule uh, today with a trip up to Chicago, back end of its in-season home-and-home series with UIC, 7 p.m. of the first pitch. Connor Casnetti, uh, 
24 game on base streak, 17 game hit streak going on for him. We'll see if he can extend it. White Sox with another win, 4-2. That's six of their last nine, 4-2 the final. Lucas Giolito goes six innings, two earn, nine strikeouts to go along with two walks. Vaughn and Robert both homered. For Robert, he has been very hot, extends his hit streak to eight games, over which he has been hitting 462 at the plate, three homers, eight RBIs, and ten runs scored. Game three of the set tonight, 740. Lance Lynn looks to get back after it. He struggled this year with walks and homers, but he's on pace for one of his best uh, career numbers and strikeouts. They're going to take on Brad Keller, who leads the league in walks issued. 11-mile-per-hour wind coming in from right, right center. And the Sox, a minus-144 favorite in this one. Cubs lose their second in a row to the card, 6-4. Dansby Swanson picks up his third homer of the season. Three for five at the plate for him yesterday with three RBIs and a run scored. Morale got the call up as well, goes two for four. He may have, um, on on Monday too, and I may have missed it, but uh, uh, he, uh, two of four in the eight hole yesterday. Mervis was held hitless for the second straight game. Tie-in with uh, two homers allowed in two and two-thirds, but he struck out five. How we, how does this happen? Lance Lynn's another guy who does that. It'd be like, oh, you struck out like 10 or 11, but somehow gave up like 14 hits or like walked seven guys. It's, it's There's no gray area here. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry. Um, they're going to try to avoid the sweep tonight as uh, 740 cards minus 115 favorite. Battle of lefties. Justin Steele takes them out against Jordan Montgomery. Both teams hitting 273 against lefties this year, oddly enough. That's the eighth best mark in baseball. A little chilly tonight and a, a small wind blowing in at Wrigley. And that right there would be today's Need to Know News. All right, time to get our best bets in for tonight. Last night, uh, how did we do? Nuggets covered. So we hit that one. Hints with the two and a half shots on goal. He finishes with two, and I wake up this morning because I didn't stay up to watch the whole thing. And uh, I tell you, gambling, hockey gambling Twitter was just all over the NHL statisticians for not giving him his third shot on goal on what looked like it goes off the goalie and then it goes off the goal post. And they say it's not a shot on goal. So uh, I don't know. Look, I know we don't get paid. That's the only thing that seems to matter. And uh, that's where we're at. So uh, we're officially one and uh, w- uh, one and one over uh, our first two bets here for the week. So let's try to get back at it tonight with our friends over at DraftKings. You know, have all these super boosts going on for you tonight. Wednesday, MLB, no sweat bet for you. No sweat bet in your NBA playoffs in the same game parlay. Um, they've got a 33% boost for same game parlay X for you to use tonight. Same, oh, by the way, gift boost. In tonight's uh, Vegas and Edmonton game, goal in the first 10, boosted a plus 100. I am on it. Give that one to me. Uh, and they still have baseball, uh, same game parlays for every leg you add. Start moving up the boost percentage. Take it all tonight. Let's go. All right, I'm on that gift, by the way. And uh, my play tonight, look, I talked about him in the White Sox game. We got to be on Louis Robert right now. He's absolutely crushing it. I told you, hitting 462 right now, three homers, eight RBIs, and 10 runs scored. Here is the problem, though. 
Brad Keller is the problem. And Brad Keller is a problem not because he is good, but because of how much he walks guys. It is a league high. 28, is that what he's up to, I think it is? On the season? So he walks about four or five guys a game. And we don't like that because we we can't get a base on that and we can't get a hit on that. Don't like that at all. And it's not a it's a perfect split between he's got 28 of these things. He's literally split evenly between lefties and righties. Ugh. Oddly enough, lefties own seven doubles. He only has one double against righties, but all of his homers are coming against from righties. I, uh, this is all very bizarre. Anyway, uh, Luis is 1-4 career with an RBI against him and a strikeout. Tonight, I feel like you can take a run here. Now, over Robert's last eight games, I told you this. We have got 10 runs scored. That's, that's an insane amount. He's absolutely on fire at the plate. The nice thing about the run scored is he's got to get on base. And if you're going to go up against a guy that loves to walk people, and you're a guy that can hit the ball, I think that's great. Now, Louis only, he doesn't get walked a ton. He's only been walked six times in the last 14 days, and that's over three games. He, he, like, he has two back from the Cincinnati series in one game, two at home in one game against Minnesota. It just doesn't happen a whole lot. But with Keller, I don't want to risk anything here. So I, I went for a run to be scored by Robert. Weren't even money there. I dig that. It's better than the alternatives for me tonight because I can go over one and a half hits for him which he is more than capable, multiple hit games. He has had uh, he had two against Cincinnati. Now, all three of those games against Cincinnati had multiple hits during this hit streak, but everywhere else he's only had one. So I, I don't know that I love that for him there. Total bases is something else you could do. He has covered in that eight-game hit streak, he has covered over one and a half bases six times. That's at... Even money. But again, if he gets walked once, now you're down to three chances to get two bases. He needs to get a double or two singles in those three at-bats. I don't like that. That's why I like the runs there. I know you need help from somebody behind you. But again, he is on a six, uh, no, five-game run-scoring streak. One, two, four, one, and one. So yeah, I'm I like that much better for you. So I'm on Luis Robert two score run tonight. That is my that's my that's my bet for the night. That's my big guy. You get in the NHL, I feel like you have to take you have to take Leon Dreisaitl tonight, I think. To score a goal. I don't know if he'll be the first goal scorer. 
Oh, no, never mind. He's minus 170. You can't take that. He's just crushing it right now. Like, for as good as Louie's doing right here for, uh, for the White Sox, like, Leon is that dude right now for them. I mean, what, what, three games in this series, doesn't he have, like, seven goals, I think? The last game, he finally didn't score. He had four in the opener in the series and followed up with two more on Saturday. Didn't score on Monday, but got three shots in. I think he goes back to the well tonight because he's good. So I'll take that. Four games against the Golden Knights this year. He has five goals, three assists, eight points. Let's go. But you can't bet it at minus 170. You just can't. Those are the bets. So I'm, I'm in on Louie. Um, like straight up today, I feel like, look, I like Justin Steele more than I like Jordan Montgomery today for the Cubs. I feel like they can't get swept. They can't afford to get swept. But I told you I was scared at the beginning of this week. I told you I was scared about that series. That's a close one, but I think I like the Cubs tonight to come through. Uh, the Royals, listen, Royals are sneaky right now. I don't know if you know this, but over the last week, they're second in, like, ops. They're second in average. I think they're third in, like, um, in uh, in ops as well. So they're hitting the ball pretty darn well lately. And Lance Lynn knows how to walk them as well. He's had those issues. So I don't know if I'm I'm not in love with any of the Chicago teams tonight. But if I had to bet one of them, I would probably take the Cubs before I would get involved with this Chicago and Kansas City game. I feel like that's an over, too. Nine and a half, oh boy. Stuff, stuff. All right, we're going to take our break. When we come back, let's take a look at this conference realignment that just happened uh, with the Sagamore uh, essentially dead right now. Can it be revived with some local teams? Are there some options? What's the future looking like now that we got this new news? Can something be done? Let's talk about it. I'll tell you what I'm hearing as well. That's coming up next. This is the Hammer Down Show on one. Let's go. It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com with Jared Jessalitis. How's it going? All right, so here comes the news today. More high school conference realignment as five Sagamore Athletic Conference members submitted letters of separation. I'll tell you, this is the official release here from the Sagamore. Crawfordsville, Frankfurt, North Montgomery, Southmont, Western Boone submitted letters of separation from the conference in accordance with the bylaws. Thank you, the entire Sagamore Conference, yada, 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 long history. Crawfordsville, Frankfurt, Northmont, Southmont, and Weibo, and a school to be named later. <laughs> I always love that. And a player to be named later will be founding members of a new athletic conference. Right, they anticipate this conference going into effect no later than 26-27, with the possibility of earlier implementation. Timeline prioritizes the ability for schools to honor former commitments, former conference bylaws, and confirm scheduling. It will be comprised of at least six members. 
Interesting. Very interesting. So that throws a little of a a monkey wrench into what could possibly be happening here with what's left of the NCC and Jeff and or not Jeff but uh, Harrison and McCutcheon. First off, you got teams like what Frankfurt, Crawfordsville are what Frankfurt's a three. These are all basically three A schools, right? I think all of them are. Uh, what's Weibo three? They're up to three, right? Yeah. Um, and then I can't remember what Southmont and Northmont are. I think Southmont's still two A, right? Is Northmont three A as well? Yeah, they're three A. So what you had here was three, or I'm sorry, five rural area teams that were getting concerned about the demographics starting to grow over the next 15 to 20 years. Because you look at who gets left out here. Danville, which butts up to Avon. And you've seen Avon go from... Geez, I mean, just in the last 20 years from a 3A to a 6A, you know, because there's a lot of that push uh, out that way, and, and there was just so much land out there. You go south, you get Plainfield, and there's some. There's still a lot of land out there. It just hasn't developed. A uh, lot less of housing out down there and more of a like industrial park. They get a lot of those um, warehouses and stuff out there because it's right next to the airport. So a lot of people live up in Avon, out to like maybe Mooresville. But Danville's the next one on that road as, you know, the city and the demographics and people start to push farther out and farther out. Um, and then, of course, you know, Tri West is just north of that. You guys know about Lebanon and stuff too. Uh, these are schools, I think, that if you are Crawfordsville and Frankfurt, Southmont and stuff, you're Weibo, you're looking around going, We're, our community's not going to grow like that. I think they got a little bit spooked and, and they made this. I, I've heard this rumor maybe since like March. That something like this could happen. Now it's finally come to fruition. The weird thing is you had to get all, you had to get these five out. They'll pick up a sixth school. What that is, I don't know. Or they might not even know. But instead of just kicking out Tri-West, uh, Tri-West, Lebanon, and Danville. Apparently they couldn't do that, so they're like, all right, fine, we'll just leave and then start our own paper company here, and uh, yeah, we'll just do it, and you guys can be on your own. So how does that impact our local teams? That's a good question, because up until this had happened, I had heard... I had heard rumors about teams like Lebanon being poached and Tri-West and Danville being poached. That's why when I saw this originally, I thought, okay, well, it kind of lines up with a lot of the other stuff that I had heard. That Danville and Tri-West maybe had some designs and they were going to take off. I think probably after the rumors had surfaced that 
the other five were going to take off. I had heard rumors that maybe Lebanon was interested in the NCC. But now, with Logansport jumping ship, I don't know that anybody expected that, and now this it's more chaos. I think the NCC's got to figure out what it's doing here going forward. Not only did they boot out, you know, they booted out Harrison, they booted out McCutcheon, but you know, Arsenal's done after this year. They're they're not, they're out, they're gone. See ya. So, you know, look at what that leaves you in that conference. You have Anderson, Kokomo, Jeff, Marion, Muncie Central, and Richmond. So that's six schools, right? Harrison Tech, Kokomo, Jeff, Marion, Muncie Central, Richmond. Sorry, seven. I, I can do math, right? Are they okay with that number? Would they be interested in adding a Danville, adding a Tri-West, adding 11? 11, it makes sense. I don't know about Danville. I don't know about Tri-West. What I'll tell you what, what sounded pretty decent and what somebody had floated to me. And I'll be honest with you, I I thought that it would make some sense here. Is that if you were to go out as Harrison and McCutcheon. And you went and you said, hey, listen. It's us. It's McCutcheon. You add in a Lebanon, Danville, and Tri-West in the old Sagamore there. Well, you've got five right there. I think you need six to tango here. Is there somebody else that would maybe jump ship from the NCC that's not happy, that thinks it's a ship that's going down? I don't think anybody jumps from there. And if all the reports of, you know, bridges being burned, I don't know that anybody, I don't know that McCutcheon and Harrison would welcome back in a, uh, a Jeff, welcome in a, a, a Kokomo, Muncie Central. I don't see it. And you would think you could form that. I mean, Jeff would make a lot of sense, right? You wouldn't have to take those trips to Richmond anymore. That'd be a solid football conference. Think about that. Danville and Tri-West, a bit smaller schools. Yeah, 3A, but they will grow. And they're pretty darn good 3A football teams. And driving down to Danville sure as heck beats driving out to Richmond. I just don't know if they can pencil that all together. 
I don't know that anybody from the Hoosier would want to jump either. The, the whole thing's a mess. But what you are seeing here is, with the Sagamores, this is a very clear, they're worried about these other schools growing and then them being left behind over the next 15 or 10, 15 years. I think that's, that's very evident. And that's, that's a legitimate fear. It really is. Try, I, I don't know that Tri-West is going to get that much bigger, but maybe it is. It is weird that they just basically took everybody in the conference, left a couple people there, and like, listen, we're going to go do our own thing. See you later. It's crazy. This stuff's crazy, and we're not close to having it done yet. Just not close. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, is the Big Ten strongly considering reversing a requirement on non-conference Power 5 scheduling? We'll talk about it next. This is the Hammer Down Show on... Hey, welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalitis. Okay. A, uh, by the way, always available on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline if you want to text 765-447-4080 So a new report from Brett McMurphy from the Action Network says that the Big Ten is mulling over kind of reversing one of its rules here. They're, quote, strongly considering removing its requirements for league teams to play a Power 5 non-conference team starting in 2024. Interesting. Big Ten teams will also be allowed to continue scheduling football subdivision uh, opponents as well. Hmm. Okay. Um, this is all to go with adding USC and UCLA. I don't know if that is the issue behind everything. I don't know if it's something they requested. Maybe it's one of those things where they say, hey, listen, we can't get out of some of these things. Can we change the rule? And they're going to change the rule for now. I don't know. It doesn't really say. UCLA this year has, in their non-conference, North Carolina Central, Coastal Carolina. Do they have another one in here? That's just kind of what popped up real quick for me. Um, And then USC, when it comes to their non-conference schedule, is looking at what San Jose State. Yeah, they they don't have any of those. So maybe it's UCLA. But we went through this whole thing. Remember, we couldn't schedule those Bulls because it was, they were cheapy wins and it wasn't supposed to be, you know, it's not. Look, I, I will tell you this, watching enough sports at all these levels is when you play the cupcake, some teams need to do it. Like the SEC loves to put that three-fourths of the way through the conference, don't they? It's kind of like getting a bye week in, letting some guys rest up. 
I understand the the want to do that. I don't know how hard it is to get those scheduled, though. And the other thing, too, is there are just some teams that could use the victories. What What is better? Uh, looking down the conference standings and seeing a, what, a three and, um, I can't do math. Uh, a, a three and nine, like, Indiana football team. Or are we better off forcing them to, you know, play like a Virginia Tech or somebody like that? And that's basically what it comes down to. And the people at the top do not, do not care. The conference's top teams, I don't think this bothers them too much. If they want to go out and schedule a weak Power 5 team, it's not a problem for teams like uh, for Michigan, for Ohio State. I don't think it's a problem for Penn State. But I thought the whole reason we got this was is because it was, you know, low, remember it was just lowering percentages and stuff like that. It was it was hurting the tabulations. Because, you know, you end up with a you know, bad Rutgers team who who's beaten or or played just bad teams, so you know, it, it just it, it looks bad in the formula and all that. That's why they changed that stuff. Now it's going out the window. The college football is expanding here. And I, I guess maybe this is good for the Michigans, for the Ohio States. Now instead of playing a, uh, a lower-level ACC team, they can beat up on a MAC team instead. A win's a win. Don't want to take the chance of getting the loss. You know, the more and more I go over everything with this, that seems to be, I, I really thought that initially that it's it's not the, it's not Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, Wisconsin, the ones that were really fighting for this. But you know, when you start to take into the college football expansion uh, for the playoffs, then yeah, maybe they are the ones fighting for this. Maybe they are the ones that benefit the most from this. Instead of trying to get a, a, hopefully you get a bad Big 12 team on the schedule. Hopefully you get a bad Pac-12, but oh man, now i got to go all the way out there. It's easier to get a MAC team in here. Whoop them up, everybody has the party, everybody's happy. You put your 70 points up, and you move on. Whether or not it happens, I, I don't know. I haven't heard that teams were getting disgruntled because they have to put you know, these early games on. I, I think the, the the subdivision stuff is ridiculous. You are, you are a Big Ten football program. You do not need to be playing football championship subdivision teams. You just don't. You're supposed to be better than that. Even though the Big Ten's expected to remove its Power 5 non-conference opponent requirements starting in 2024, each Big Ten school already has scheduled a Power 5 non-conference opponent in at least three of the four seasons between 2024 and 2027. What's unknown is whether or not those Big Ten schools will keep those future Power 5 non-conference opponents or adjust their future schedules by playing fewer Power 5 
teams out of conference. Well, I'll tell you this, they'll look at what the trajectory of those teams are right now, and if they don't have to and they think it's too much of a test early on, yeah, they'll bug out of them. No problem. And with the money that's coming into these things, it's it's nothing to pay. Like a, like a MAC team to come in here and, and play. No problem. Yeah, it's a little bit weak sauce. Like I said, I really think this. When you, the more and more you look at it, the more you can't escape the fact that it's being done so that the top tier teams here uh, do not have an oopsie in an expanded college football playoff field. Can't have it. You can't tell me that in an expanded college football field, if you had a Purdue team that was going to go into this year ranked in the top 25, that you'd much rather be playing um, you know, UTSA, Western Kentucky, than you would Virginia Tech in that spot. You'd feel a whole lot better, wouldn't you? You'd much rather be playing um, no Ball State. But, uh, but for a team in, in Purdue's position, I, I don't think, how do you expect to continue to get better? How do you expect to climb if you don't play you know, good opponents? Now, this year, the Big Ten schedule is going to take care of that for you. Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, Northwestern's due to be good. And you definitely get tested in there. And Nebraska's going to figure it out eventually. They've got too much money and too many good names behind that program right now to stay bad. You do have to get better, and you do not get better beating up on bad teams. Get away with doing it once at the beginning of the year, maybe. Get you in a flow of things. You're the SEC, you can do that late in the year to give your guys a rest. But you can't, and, and I don't think teams will, and that'll be the, I'm sure that'll be communicated. You're not just going to load up that, uh, that first three weeks with bad teams. You're not doing it. You better not do it. It's not good for you. It's not good for your team. It's not good for the fans. And it's certainly not good for the Big Ten. But it is an interesting development. I don't know if that has, I really don't think it has anything to do with the addition of UCLA and USC. I think it has more with, you know, where college football is going in the playoff mode and protecting its top tier guys. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up next. It's the Hammer Down Show. Back on Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. All right, uh, let's get into the things that we may have missed. Yesterday, I forgot to give out happy happies to uh, uh, Ben uh, Mathurin and um, Jaden Ivey. Well, you know, the Pacers guard Jaden Ivey, of course, the uh, D- Detroit Piston, who uh, made the uh, all-rookie team as well, second team. Uh, so congratulations to him. Missed that. Yes, I saw it. 
Uh, but I saw it on Twitter, like at lunch, and then I didn't save it, and that's my fault. So my apologies uh, there. Uh, a little bit of a follow-up yesterday to what we talked about. Uh, it looks like West Virginia is set to announce its punishment for Bob Huggins. That will allegedly include a suspension, an amended contract, and more. Huggins could miss the first three games of the season. He would get back in time for the trip to Florida for the Fort Myers tip-off. Rumor is he's going to be out about a million dollars and have to do sensitivity training. And I also saw another rumor from the region where he might have had to have secretly agreed that this is his last year of coaching. And in 70, we talked about whether or not this would happen. I, I like how, first off... I like how they called it a salary reduction. It's not a penalty. It's not a fine. It's a $1 million salary reduction. And there's also, why wasn't he fired? Because West Virginia was worried, perhaps, that uh, they could be penalizing the team for the coach's actions. Is no I in team. Look, I covered a lot of this yesterday, but... I don't know what the right level of punishment is. I do know this. Forcing this man to sit through sensitivity training, I don't necessarily know is going to work. I think a better punishment should be, how about a week of community service in the actual community that he insulted? I don't know how sitting in a room... We've all done something like this for our job, and I'm not trying to downplay what it does. I'm just saying for maybe somebody up to his age. I I don't think it. you you sit in those things, you take the test, they they play some videos maybe for you. Um, Maybe you have to do an online thing on a computer. You take the test, boom, company can check off their box that you had this training. I say make them do a week of community service. Working with these actual people, being around those actual people, and actually learning from those people that he insulted. If the whole idea is to have an effective punishment to make him uh, think about what he did, I don't think that just finding him a million dollars and suspending him for three, let's face it, they're pretty meaningless games to, to get started, right? They're essentially exhibition games to get you warmed up for that tournament. And it's not like he doesn't have the money. I don't know if that's necessarily getting the right point across of what you said is wrong. I think it just sends the message of, listen, you shouldn't have said that part out loud. Uh, that's what I feel like that sends. Put him in that community and, and have him help out. How about that? Let him meet these people. See how those words actually affect it. Actually interact with some of them. I really think that would do way more than the couple of random hours they're going to sit him down and he's going to go through the whole training and the seminar stuff. I, I just, I don't know if it's going, if that's really going to help change that man's mind on anything. Shout out to Mookie Betts. Decided when uh, they just took a 
a recent road trip to, I think it was Milwaukee they did this. And he decided that he wasn't going to stay with the team on the road trip because they were staying in this, uh, was the uh, Feister Hotel, is that how I say it, in Milwaukee? It's allegedly pretty haunted. And so he didn't want anything to do with that, so he got himself an Airbnb. He's like, I'm not staying there. I'm staying in an Airbnb. Forget it. He goes, I couldn't sleep. Every noise I'd be like, is that something? Buddy, I would do the exact same thing. Bryce Harper claimed that he awoke to his clothes on the floor and a table had been moved to the opposite side of his hotel room when he stayed there once. I'm with you, man. I'm not messing with no ghosts. One of us. We accept you. Mookie Betts. One of the people. Scared of ghosts. And finally, I've heard of some crazy medical procedures, but I cannot believe this is happening to Bo Jackson. Now, if you ever watched Bo Jackson's 30 for 30, uh, you know about uh, that that hip injury, right? I mean, it just, that is scary stuff. And I, I, I cringe just thinking about it right now. But he's going to have to go in for another new procedure. And I cannot believe what, you're not going to guess what he's done, what, what, what's happened to him. And he really hasn't done anything. I kid you not, he has to go in for surgery because for almost a year now, he's had trouble with hiccups. Not kidding. A year-long battle with hiccups. That sounds so miserable. I can only imagine all the wise, old wives' tales. And he's trying to use all the Googling. It's like anything. Just try something. It's hard for me. I can chug water, and sometimes it works. Sometimes I just have to go to sleep. But I can't imagine spending a, a better part of the year just with hiccups. How can you enjoy anything? How can you enjoy a nice dinner? How can you enjoy a drink? Oh, that sounds terrible, man. Bo, Bo, man, one of the greatest athletes I will ever see, bar none, succumbed to the hiccups for a year. It's crazy. And that's going to do it for us today. Uh, tomorrow, Indy 11 kicking off a lot of big events coming up here in the month of May that coincide with the track. Uh, we're going to talk with them a little bit about that. Uh, plus, we'll take a look at uh, the uh, Cubs. Did they get swept by the Cardinals, White Sox, and plenty more stuff that will come up. That's tomorrow back here on the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The